Well, good morning. It is great to be here this morning. And I was thinking uh, throughout this week and even yesterday, um, I've been able to spend a little bit of time in hospital waiting rooms lately. Any of you relate to that? And uh, so as you come into the waiting room and whomever the loved one, friend or whatever is having a procedure or whatever that is going on, you know, you walk into the waiting room and there's sort of a culture in that waiting room, isn't there? And first of all, I learned that as you go in, especially if you're going to be there for a period of time and maybe even several days, uh, that uh, you actually kind of set up camp. Uh, with some groups and one that I experienced here on Thursday, you actually rearranged the furniture in the waiting room and uh, you create this little environment and you've got these little pockets around of people and some twos and threes and others larger groups. And, and so you've got all of these different conversations and some are reading and some are trying to sleep and others are just causing a ruckus. I was a part of one of those groups here recently. And so you've got all these little conversations going on and all of uh, this going on. And then something important happens. All of a sudden you see someone walk in and they're wearing scrubs. And everybody kind of pauses for a moment. And you wait to see which group they're going to. And then they walk up to the group. And no matter what was going on in that group. And all the different conversations and things that were going, immediately everything stops. They turn and they look to hear what the doctor has to say. Anybody experienced that before? You know what I'm talking about? You know, I was thinking about that and we saw that. And sometimes it's a false alarm. Oh, they're going to somebody else. But as soon as that doctor comes in, he doesn't need to say, hey, look up here, guys. Hey, I got something to say. Hey, I've got an out. He doesn't have to say anything. Everybody stops and listens. Because someone with the answers has got something to say. I want you to think about that visual this morning. Because that's almost exactly what's taking place here in the passage that we're going to look at this morning. In, in the book of Zechariah. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come down with some Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, just slip up your hand. We would love to, to get one to you. Just keep your hand up. They'll get you a Bible. But if you would turn to the book of Zechariah. Okay. I know. Zechariah, this can be kind of confusing. It is the next to last book in the Old Testament. So the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi. It's, it's one before that. Zechariah. Do not get it confused with Zephaniah, which is a couple books earlier. Okay, so if you go to Matthew, you went too far. Zechariah, and we're going to look primarily at chapter 7 in the book of Zechariah. Now just to give you a little bit of background in this... Uh, Zechariah was a prophet of God. He was actually a contemporary of Haggai, which is the book even before Zechariah. And, and Haggai and Zechariah were both uh, called by God to be God's spokesperson to the people of Israel. And specifically, uh, it revolved around the message of rebuild the temple. And, and so uh, the book of Zechariah starts off, it's about 520 B.C., and it's right after the children of Israel, uh, and actually Judah specifically, had been exiled in Babylon, and they've been released from Babylon and have come back to Israel and find the temple in ruins. 
And uh, along with Ezra as another prophet that was all about rebuilding the temple, uh, their charge was to keep that process going of rebuilding the temple. And so that, that's the book of, uh, of Zechariah. That was the mission of the man, Zechariah, the prophet of God. And then as you look in chapter 7, it starts off with, it says, in the fourth reign of King Darius. So this is, is 518 B.C. is when this takes place. And in verse 3, we see that the children of Israel had a question. Then they sent a couple of representatives to go and inquire of God, are, are we to keep doing these fasts? And then verses 4 through 7, we get God's answer through Zechariah. And he says, look, why were you doing them in the first place? And, and really implicit in that is saying, look, now that the temple is going to be rebuilt, you don't need to keep doing that. But oh, by the way, you were going through the motions, but your heart wasn't in it. You were doing the externals, but, but there was really hypocrisy that was going on because your heart wasn't in it. And so that's what we see. That's where we pick it up in verse 8. That was the first time that God spoke to them through Zechariah here in this chapter. And then in verse 8, we see the second time there. And and that leads, if you're taking notes, point number one. We'll start here in verse 8. Point one is God has a heart for the hurting. Follow his lead. God has a heart for the hurting. Follow his lead. And so we see in verse 8 here, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Okay, now everybody, nudge your neighbor and say, Pay attention, God speaking. The doctor has walked into the waiting room. Catching the metaphor there. That's where we find ourselves. God is ready to speak now to them. And this is what he says. Render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. And so what we see here is, is God speaking through Zechariah and he has a fourfold challenge. Okay, the challenge starts off with render true judgment. Literally, we would say it in, in our uh, terminology, we would say be fair with everyone. Be honest and upright and fair in your dealings with people. Render true judgments. Be fair with those that you come in contact with. And so the first admonition is to be fair. Secondly, then he says, show kindness and mercy to one another. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Be gracious to one another. Be generous. Be forgiving. Uh, Be restoring in your relationships with each other. Show that mercy, really, mercy is, is sparing people from what they deserve in the form of punishment and showing kindness, being gracious, showing grace, giving them the gift that they don't deserve is what grace means. And so being kind and forgiving and merciful to the one another's. 
And so we see God saying, look, be fair with the people that you deal with and especially with each other, the one another's, be gracious with each other. And then verse 10, he says, do not oppress, do not oppress, do not take advantage of, do not burden, do not cause hardship on. And then he lists four different categories of people. He says the widow. The ones whom have lost their spouse and, and, and probably have little means of support. Uh, we see a lot of references to the widow. We see a lot of New Testament references of the widow and, and how to, to interact with widows. And, uh, and, and really, Julian, with the widow is the, the unmarried one who, who has lost their means of support. And a lot of it was finances and otherwise. But they were needy because of that. The widow, the orphan. Those who have lost parents. Those who have no means of support, no means of care, no help in their upbringing, let alone physically, but also uh, mentally, spiritually, and otherwise. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, or the sojourner, the traveler, the one who's, who's coming in and is new to the area, the one probably doesn't speak the language, understand the culture. Uh, would be totally foreign to them and unsure where to even go to do the basic things of life and, and even understanding the, the language and, and the exchange of, of buying groceries and all of the other things that were going on within a culture, language, and people. Don't oppress, don't take advantage of the traveler. And don't take advantage of the poor. Those that have little or at times no resources. Those that would be very much more dependent for, for, for physical needs. And so we, we see the, the, the breadth here, the description here of these four things. So what's God saying with that? What's God saying with verse 10? He's saying, look out for the vulnerable. Repeat that with me. Look out for the vulnerable. What's God saying? Look out for the vulnerable. We're going to summarize it. That's really what God's saying is the heart of this. He's saying, watch out for those who are vulnerable, those who are in need. Right? Be fair, be gracious, but especially for those who have need, watch out for them. Give care to them and absolutely don't take advantage of them. And then the fourth thing we see in this message, he says, and let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. Let none of you devise evil against one another. Don't let that internal um, mulling over, stewing upon, thinking through how you've been wronged and all of the ways in which you could retaliate and even the score is literally what it's talking about. It's it's an anti-retaliation statement. And so he's saying, don't harbor or desire vengeance. Literally saying, forgive. Seek to restore in relationships even when you've been hurt, especially when you've been hurt. And so we see a little bit, there's almost a, a progression in this. There, there seems first, be fair, be gracious, look out for the vulnerable, 
and be one who seeks restoration. That's the message that God was, was calling to the people in that time. And, and it's a message that we see rings true throughout the rest of Scripture and into the New Testament. And it's the same thing that God calls us to do as well. Maybe as I read through that list, you can think of times where, where maybe you fit in one or more of those categories. I was uh, talking with my wife this week, and we were, we were recounting the time. Uh, in 2001, we uh, led a group of high school students down to Costa Rica. And uh, so we had about 10 high school students and my wife and I. And, and that week, we were working in a Nicaraguan refugee camp in San Jose, Costa Rica. And so what had happened, they had, they had come from Nicaragua into the, almost the middle of town and they found this big area that was unoccupied by anything else and, and they just became squatters. And so there was about 30,000 Nicaraguan refugees in this area in the middle of, of San Jose. And, and as they had, um, spent, uh, this has been a long period of time that this, uh, refugee camp, if you want to call it that, this, this community had been formed, um, they had kind of created their own little roads. Uh, this was an open sewage system through the streets. And I mean, just uh, uh, just abject, abject poverty in the midst of that. But a fella had come down and um, established a church right in the middle of that. And so we were meeting up and partnering with this church and doing a ministry within the church, some physical things during the day, and then some outreach-type things in the evening, and showed the Jesus film and some things like that. But there was one of those days in which the fellow who had set up the trip with me, and uh, he had uh, uh, driven us over together, this group of 12, and dropped us off in this spot, actually, and then we walked into there, and we were there, and the pastor of the church had to leave and go somewhere, and the fellow uh, that had dropped us off was supposed to come back, it was at like 3 o'clock, and uh, 3 o'clock came, and no one was there to pick us up, which, uh, you know, hey, that's, that's okay, and by about 3.30, we were just kind of hanging out, and I remember distinctly in this church building that, that they had put up there, and they kind of had a bench there, and we were all just kind of laying around, just waiting, and I'm laying on this bench, and the thought crossed my mind, if he doesn't come and pick us up, I have no idea what we're going to do. You know, those thoughts, and sometimes the fears just kind of well up a little bit and say, well, what if he's been in an accident? Well, what, what if the, does anyone know we're even here? And I'm thinking to myself, I've got like 10 bucks in my pocket because you don't take large sums of money into the, this community. And I have no passport and none of us have any of those things. And I don't even know the first direction to go out of here. We were totally vulnerable, totally needy in that moment. As I read through this passage and see the description of people that God was describing, saying, look out for the vulnerable, I think of that feeling. I think of of being in those situations. So let me ask you, how about you? How about you? Do you have an eye for the hurting? Is it on your radar for those who are vulnerable? Do we see that amongst the people that we cross paths with day in and day out? 
Point number two. Be willing to take the first step to God's call. Be willing to take the first step to God's call. Verse 11, it says, But they refused to pay attention and turned their stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts that had had sent by the Spirit through the former prophets. Okay. Are you catching here? There's a visual in this. They refused to pay attention. They turned their stubborn shoulder. They stopped up their ears that they might not hear, and they hardened their hearts. It says diamond heart. Literally. Watch this. They didn't pay attention. They fixed their gaze on other things. They turned a stubborn shoulder. They stopped up their ears. It says they hardened their heart. I will not listen. It's literally the visual that's going on in this. Can you relate to that? God specifically laid out things and it says that they did just the opposite and were actually the word stubborn. It says they hardened their heart. It says diamond hard. Some of your translations uh, uh, translates that word into flint. Made it hard as flint. I will not listen. And actually God's going to reference if you see the, the verbs in this, you see it's, it's past tense. It says, as, as the, Jeremiah's, or, um, uh, Zechariah is actually recounting this and he's remembering back, look, this is what happened previously and we see in past tense and then what was God's response? Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. But when you read words like that, it should almost cause us to gasp. Is it safe to say that's a spot that we never want to be in? On the opposite end of God's great anger because of our stubbornness, because of our unwillingness to obey. And not only that, he says, as I called, verse 13, and they would not hear, so they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among the na- all the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate. So no one went to or fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. So God says this, because of their reaction, because of how their, their stubborn, hard hearts, he says, They wouldn't listen to me, so when they cried out to me, I wouldn't listen to them. And literally what we see, what did God do? I understand this. God never stopped loving His people, and God never stops loving us. But God did do something to get their attention. 
And so he says, I scattered them throughout all of the nations. And as you look back and we read through, and I even referenced it in the, uh, in the context of Zechariah, they were just on the heels of coming back from that scattering that took place. As God allowed the Babylonians to come in and took back a group of people and the Assyrians had come in and some ended up in Egypt and literally they, they were fanned out away from their promised land of Israel and were held captive for a season. And that, that was just on the heels of what they had just returned from that. And God's saying, look, don't fall into those same habits again. Don't do what you had done before. And so we see the application for us then is what? Respond to God's leading in your, in your life. Be willing to take the first step in God's call. Respond to God's leading. And one of the things, um, if you've been around Harvest for any period of time and, and, and know that we have actually... Uh, had a number of different outreach type ministries and uh, we've we've had uh, really tried to have three or four a year in which we can mobilize the body of Christ to do ministry outside of these walls and we've got uh, kind of spread out throughout the calendar uh, one coming up here the first weekend of May and this will be the I don't know fifth or sixth year of, of compassion day where we hit the streets, and we last year we had about 715 people that we gather together, we rally here, and we go to about 30, 35 different sites around the area where we can come alongside and, and do just some practical help in meeting needs of those in the community. Uh, we collect backpacks in the summer for uh, kids in the East Peoria and some of the other school systems around here that, that, that it's a hardship to get school supplies. And we, we, we pass those out. We just came off of Giving Tree, where we, where we came together and we, uh, targeted, uh, those that are in need in the community as well as, uh, those that are in the foster care system and, 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 and just trying to show the love of Christ at, at the Christmas season. And, and these are all, um, all things well and good and things are going to continue. It's a great way that we can mobilize the church together and corporately do this. And it's a great community builder for us, but also outreach into the community. One of the other things that we actually started last year, and you may not have heard much about, it's a good opportunity to mention it. We are also a first response church with the Forgotten Initiative. Now, the Forgotten Initiative is an organization in this area that comes alongside and actually it's, it's their, their purpose is to, um, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come alongside um, the foster care agencies and workers and families and children in the foster care system and to lend support and aid to those. And uh, a first response church, which we, we have three or four months of the year that we are uh, on call, if you will. And uh, as needs arise, we get a call and then we, and many of you have been even a part of meeting some of those needs as we've kind of mobilized within the mission team and, and, and others where we uh, go and, and meet those needs and come alongside uh, of those. Um, but beyond that, beyond that, we're looking to take some next steps. And uh, we're, we're looking to create and, and to provide opportunities for individuals 
for families and, and for our impact groups uh, that, that we can actually heed the call that we see in this passage and, and, and to come alongside and to help and care for the vulnerable in this community. And, and a lot of that is going to uh, stem uh, around the foster care system. And uh, we spent the last year or so actually just kind uh, of, of just looking at, at what are the needs in the community and, and what are things that are being done and, and different ministries that are, that are meeting needs in there. And we, we, one of the things that became very clear is within the foster care community, there, there was a big gap. That a lot of needs were not being met. And, and really over time and, and through praying through it really just felt like God's really saying, hey, this is a great place where Harvest Bible Chapel can have a, have an impact in this community. And so you're going to hear more about that, but, but just so you know, we've actually created a new ministry out of that in which we're entitling Z710. Think about it. Z710. Where would we have gotten that from? Zechariah 7.10. Exactly. I think you see the, the logo up there. Zechariah 7.10. Don't oppress the widow, the orphan, the sojourner, and the poor. Uh, if you go to the website this afternoon, uh, there will be a page under the mission page with this. And on that, what we're looking to do is create a clearinghouse of opportunities that we can come and do ministry. And so we're looking for a place where we can collect all of these things and we're doing a lot in partnership with the Forgotten Initiative and some other areas and, and, and organizations and agencies and even some individual specific needs. But we wanted a place where we could actually be able to put that and take the needs that we're coming across our desk and the needs that we're seeing in the community and take the resources of our body and to be able to pull those two together. And to say, here's what is, is needed, here's what we can provide, and then let's go and let's get busy, let's hit the streets. And let's heed God's call in meeting those needs. And, and, and some of those things are, well, some of those things are, are just like this. Interestingly, we got an email Friday afternoon. Okay, you ready for this? We're working on getting all of this up and running. And then we get an email. It was sent to Pierce Vanny, our missions coordinator. Pierce, uh, it's from the, one of the coordinators of one of the local agencies in Peoria. We have had one of our foster homes with a major fire. The foster mom is in the hospital and we're working to find a new home for the kids. They've lost everything in the fire. They are tapping into as many resources as possible to assist the family. The kids have no clothes, no toys, school supplies, or anything Plus, they're dealing with the trauma surrounding the incident. If you have any way, here, if you have any way to get items for these kids, we would appreciate it. That's what Z710 is all about. We're trying to set up a way that we can find the needs and then be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And to come alongside, meet some physical needs in very practical ways. But even more than that, start building relationships with people. Showing the love of Jesus Christ. And the fact that no matter what's going on, no matter what the need, that Jesus is still the answer in the midst of that. And so that's uh, some of the things, opportunities that you will see on that website. There's, there's a thing called 12 different initiatives. 
12 different practical ways, very simple things that you can do. You can do them as individuals. You can do them as your own family. Uh, you can, we can rally the impact groups. And I encourage our impact group leaders to check this out and see what maybe your impact group can do. Um, there's opportunities to mentor foster kids. And to start building a long-term relationship and there's a process in that. Or maybe adopting a family, coming alongside a family that's been in the foster care system. It could be a foster parents and kids or it could be the, the, uh, their parents and kids as they're receiving kids back into the home and, and, and getting back on their feet through uh, the things that they've been through. Or it might be even just becoming a foster parent. Uh, whether permanently or maybe even sometimes just like this for a temporary meeting temporary needs uh, we're also looking to develop a tool team and i know that we've got a lot of different people with a lot of different abilities and, and skills and the trades and otherwise and men and women who who will be put on the tool team and it's something that pastor kenton and i've been talking a lot about uh, because there's a lot of needs within our church there's a lot of needs really even at the church but also outside of the walls and outreach into the community. And if we had a, a list of people and some idea of what was available, at least as needs came up, we could we could fan that out to you and say, who would be available to go help with? Uh, ironically, you know what one of the biggest needs that, that has been relayed to us that they have uh, within the foster community? Bunk beds. Bunk beds. Just building Bunk beds, as, as, as they're putting into homes and foster, just having beds for these kids and something very practical and tangible like that. And we had some, some guys in the church last year who built some bunk beds and, and you wouldn't believe the response just in how um, appreciative they were just in, in meeting that need. Along with that, and you're going to have a moment here that you can respond in just a moment. But, but with that being said, uh, we have planned here on February 5th, Thursday evening from 6 to 8, a training time. If any of this is of interest to you, any of the, the mentoring, the coming alongside families, the, the uh, um, ways in which we can help and support with them, we're going to have a meeting right here uh, and have a time of training, and a lot of this will be presented in much greater detail. February 5th, Thursday night, you'll hear more about that as well. So I've kind of thrown a lot of hair out at you. And uh, I, I understand that. But we also wanted to just take a moment and say, okay, so so what's it look like? So, so what might that look like? So we thought we'd give you a, a practical example here from our own body. I met my ex-husband in high school. I had my oldest daughter a month before I graduated high school. And it kind of all went downhill from there. Sometimes I would come home to get kids ready for school and then go back. There were times that I would sleep every third day and I'd have to go to a parking lot or somewhere to get an hour or two of uninterrupted sleep. And it was at one of these points, I was headed into Walmart to buy a pack of cigarettes. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. I cried out to any being in the universe that would listen to end it, to end the pain, to, to end 
this cycle that I was trapped in. It was Thanksgiving and I came home from work and there were police cars everywhere and the house was a mess. Like, not just a mess, completely trashed. And it just, the, the police decided that the children needed to be placed into temporary care until they could sort out the situation. You really felt that we should adopt a family and we weren't really sure how that was gonna well, play we had out no or idea. how it was gonna it, look. <laughs> it didn't seem like it could work. I mean, because yeah. families were broken. And, mm -hmm. uh, but we just took one step. We, as we often say, we don't know, we had no idea how it was gonna end, but we just knew that the beginning had to start with us to, to make that first step. bedroom to that's what the minimum requirements were for the state and eventually they returned them to the to Melissa so I called and talked to Melissa and I said Melissa I said you know the foster system we're done with that the kids are yours but we would love to babysit your kids for you anytime and starting now we'd be glad to take your other two kids which were coming from a different direction and another foster family and so that's how we ended up with the four children then um, just on the weekends we started to realize that we needed to be putting the focus on Todd and Melissa, not just the children, but to really embrace them as well. At first, there, uh, there was a lot of discord between me and Ed. I just felt like, you know, they served their purpose and now they needed to be cut out of our life. I wouldn't even talk to Barb. I would talk to Ed. I would not talk to Barb because she just, we, did, we didn't get along at that point at all. And again, it goes back to so many times we don't really know how it's going to end. So there were scary times for sure, many times where we didn't know what the outcome was going to be um, with Todd or Melissa or with the girls, really. Ed was still coming over, picking up the kids. And he came over and he invited us to a Christmas course at Harvest Bible Chapel. And as I slowed down on my drinking because of the heart attack, me and Melissa decided we'll take the kids and we'll see what this is all about. So that morning we had prayed and said, God, just give us a little glimpse that Todd and Melissa would be receptive to all this. The whole time we're wondering, what do they really think? I mean, are they just putting up with this? Is it? And we, we had lunch, and I don't know, and Todd hadn't really said a lot, but on the way out the door, he said, boy, I just can't get that song out of my head, Behold Our God. And that was one of the first days that when we was worshiping, the worship music Larry was playing, just, it, it, it struck me, it hit me, it, it took over. And we was going to start living a godly life, wanted to follow yeah. the Bible, follow God's word. We, we wanted to be all in. God has given us a whole new life. Without Him, none of this would have been possible.
When Jesus Christ is our Savior, brought the Kaisers in with us, and we become one family. Do you believe that he died on a cross for your sins? Yes. And you're trusting him as your Savior? Wholeheartedly. Why do you want to be baptized today? To show God and everybody that I have total faith in him. My life is his. Tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. And uh, Melissa had asked, well, is it okay if my kids call you grandma and grandpa on vacation? Oh, we cried our eyes out when she asked that. So we said, sure. (laughs) Of course. uh, I think it was maybe a day or two later, we said, I guess one of you has to be our son or daughter. (laughs) And so we said, we're going to pick Melissa to be our daughter, and Todd's our son-in-law. That's the way it ended. God did it all. Hey guys, can life be messy? Yeah. I love the line that Ed said over and over. We don't know how it's going to end, but we just know that it's got to start with us. Are you ready to get started? That's the question this morning. Are you ready to get started? I'm going to have the ushers come down front and they've got these cards, and they're going to pass each of these cards down the aisle. And as the card comes down, please take one of those. And uh, it is, it's really simple. We just need some contact information, uh, an email and, and cell phone number would be ideal in that, your name in that. And it says, Are, uh, sign me up. And there's three different boxes. The first one is Z710 Ministry Opportunities. And what we're looking for is to create a, a, a database of you, as you will, of uh, to be able to email out needs as they come in, to be able to keep you aware of what's going on as we get emails like this or other ministry opportunities, to just be put me on that list that I want to be aware of opportunities and be able to respond with that. The second box you see is that for tool time. Oh, I'm sorry, tool team. <laughs> I said that all week and I kept saying, I'm not going to say that. Tool team. Say, you know what, I I may not be the greatest carpenter, I may not be the best of this or that, but I I at least have some ability, some resources. I'd love to be able to meet some physical needs within the body and outside of the body as well. And just check that. We'll follow up and try to get some specifics from you in that regard. And then the last box there is the Forgotten Initiative Training Day. Hey, sign me up for Thursday, February 5th. I absolutely, we're going to come and check it out. I don't know what's going to come about it. I don't know how it's going to end but I'm at least willing to make the first step and to get some more information about that. That'll be at 6 o'clock, February 5th in the 309. And so if you're interested in that, please check that box. We will, we will collect these as you leave this place uh, this morning. Uh, please turn in your cards, whether you fill it out or not, just hand it to the ushers as you leave. And we'll follow up and connect back with you this week if you fill that out. Let's go ahead and just close out this time with a word of prayer as we lift up our praise and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we do praise you. Lord, it is so exciting to see 
stories like this right here that we just watched of you at work in this body. Lord, we see the challenge from your word. Lord, I pray that we would be fair and gracious. Lord, that we would be seek to care for the vulnerable and to be restoring in our relationships. Lord, may we take the words and not be like those later verses where we harden our hearts. But Lord, may we respond as you lead in each of our lives today. Lord, may you be lifted up. May you be lifted up as King of kings and Lord of lords. And may this all be done as an act of worship to you this week. In your name, amen.